Welcome to Let's Get Boba and Talk About, the podcast where we sip and spill a little tea on the things that light us up and make us feel most like ourselves. My name's Jana, and for today's episode, let's get boba and talk about growing up as military brats and third culture kids. To help us break down this juicy topic today, I'm excited to welcome my good friend and fellow military brat and TCK, Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello. So glad you can be on this podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Um, also, I'm really excited to talk about your beverage very soon. It's Me really too. cute. <laughs> so good. Um, so a little context for our listeners. Jen and I, I counted, we've known each other for six years now. Oh, wow. Long. Which is a long, like time. a long time. It feels like a long time, which I love. Uh, Jen and I have the pleasure of working together as colleagues and we also are the connection from episode one from Hillary with the PBC um that's your how I met Hillary that is that's how you met a lot of my friends yeah <laughs> through the <laughs> Pinai book club exactly so that was a fun point of connection but I want to actually share our point of connection that's super relevant to our episode today but you tell me if I tell the story wrong So I was um, only, I don't know, probably working here for two weeks or so. And someone's like, have you talked to Jen yet about your Rome connection? And I was like, what? What Rome connection? What are you talking about? I was just excited that there was a Filipino person in the building. So I was already excited to get to know you and come to find out. So I graduated from an international school in Rome, Italy many years ago and jen and i are sitting down and talking and i'm like oh where are you from and you tell me the last school you were working at before here was where at aosr the international school of rome where i graduated from so that was crazy i flipped out you were super chill about it and (laughs) (laughs) i do remember that I flipped out and you're just like, yeah, you know, it's a small world, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) But that was, that was the first time that we connected the dots and it's super relevant to our topic today, talking about growing up as military brats and what being a third culture kid is about. So I'm just so excited that we finally get to talk about this because I think it's just part of our regular, I don't know, it's the way that we see the world and it's fun that we have similar ways of seeing the world. Right. It's a filter that not everyone has. Exactly. It's a filter that not everyone has. I like that. So I really want to jump into it, but you know, before we do that, we got to get into the boba tea. Oh, mine's so good today. Okay, just jump in. What is your boba tea drink today? I love fruit boba yeah. teas. And so I got a strawberry milk tea. And it's actually a strawberry cream tea with boba. And it has fresh fruit. I can see, yeah. It, so it looks like a strawberry milk with boba. Exactly. It's really pretty. It's really pretty and it's delicious. I'm really into teas that have fresh fruit mm. one of my first well the very first boba i ever had had fresh fruit in it where was that how long ago 
oh, it was a long time ago. I was in college, so over 20 years ago. Okay. And um, my friend introduced me to boba. It was like my sophomore year in college. Yeah. And she took me to this boba place, which no longer exists. So sad. Yeah, but they made delicious fruit teas mm. with fresh fruit. And it's really hard to find boba that has fresh fruit. Mm -hmm. And so I love it when they have fresh fruit. Yeah. And it's not just like fake flavor. It doesn't taste fake. Right. Well, it looks, it looks really beautiful. pretty, um, which you know that we have at the end of the, the episode. We'll talk a little bit about how we rank it. See how it actually tastes throughout mm -hmm. our discussion, but I can't wait for everyone to see the photos of this. I probably didn't do it enough justice, but I tried to portrait mode the crap out of it because it's so pretty. It's so it looks pretty. good. It's good. Do you have a regular go-to or is it just make sure there's fruit in it? If there isn't fresh fruit, I won't get it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if it oh that's a lie okay i lie I, I mean if it's free and i'm like i brought you a boba i'll drink it <laughs> <laughs> like for instance kiki bakery doesn't have fresh fruit because they have oh. a really good passion fruit one. Oh, and i love passion fruit so just drink it so anyway. i'll drink it anyway mm. and it's good but my go-to is usually like a plain milk tea okay so you, with oh, boba okay plain milk tea with boba because you can't go wrong i feel like everyone's got the milk tea down okay like a regular milk tea Mm, I'm never right. disappointed. You are my first guest who is a milk tea fan because oh. so far everyone else, and this is, we'll talk about my drink in a minute, has done the fruit tea. Oh. So like the iced tea base. Mm -hmm. So that is oh, a tea. new, okay, milk tea all the way. Because it's Japan. Yes. Yeah. It's a Japanese connection. Okay. But it. also have you had the hot version? I was very tempted to yes. order the, uh, the hot version. Oh, today. not here. No, not with a boba. So I've, I've seen there all these shops, actually, the there is an option for hot. I've just never tried it because, okay, one, I want to enjoy the boba part. So don't you need the big straw? Yes. I can't. I'm not going to scald my throat over this. No. But And won't it stay at the bottom? That's what I wonder. But so for anybody out there, if you've had hot boba tea let us know about this because i wonder if it's more about having like the milk tea flavors and having it hot mm. i could see enjoying that but then the topping situation i think makes more sense cold right things that we still have but to then investigate your boba would be nice and chewy and soft oh my gosh that's true because mm. that's the problem you run into when you have cold boba mm -hmm. if it it's can cold get for too long it gets hard yeah okay may need to investigate this yeah. further. I love it. Definitely something I want to research. Okay. <laughs> Personal research will be going into this. You're welcome, everyone. Okay, well, I branched out today because, you know, I am getting to enjoy boba more often now by connecting with friends over the podcast. So I normally go for a fruit iced tea. Mm. And I went with this, which I thought would still be an iced tea, to be honest. So I accidentally landed with um, a taro coconut milk with boba. It's super pretty because you already know my favorite color is purple. Duh. So imagine, um, listeners, that there's the purple taro over this white coconut milk. It's gorgeous. I think it's really pretty, especially if you keep mixing it. It looks like a pretty swirl. It looks like a smoothie. It does look like that's where I was not expecting that. I just I'm not a big fan of milk, mm. but 
if it's coconut milk, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do mm-hmm. it. But if it was just regular milk, I probably would not. It's really pretty. It's tasty so far. So and I'm branching out. The taro tastes good. Here, here's my struggle is I still have not found the distinct taste difference between taro and ube. Mm. Have you? No. They look the same. Mm-hmm. And the only time I notice that ube and taro are different is when ube is being served as more traditional Filipino desserts. desserts yeah. That's the only time I know that that's more ube. And they're both so mild. Yes. And when people make them into food, I feel like it's still really mild. It, it can be a to, chameleon right. to whatever you want it to be. And it's so. usually so sweet, that's all I taste. Exactly. So I don't know. I, I think my flavor is more coconut flavor heavy, but it's very enjoyable. So pardon any slurping because it's really good. I'm already almost done. <laughs> Okay, well, enjoy your boba, and definitely before you leave, we're going to hear how it ranks for you. But moving on to our topic of the day, so we're talking about being military brats and TCKs. So let's start just by breaking it down. I think most people know uh, the term military brat, or for us specifically, we were Navy brats. You know, you can be more specific to the branch of military that your family was serving in, but... It's a kid who grew up with a parent or parents serving in the military. My dad was in the Navy for over 20 years. What about you? My dad was in the Navy for four years, just one tour. Mm -hmm. And my mom was a lifer also. So for over 20 years, she was in the Navy. That was awesome. I, you were the first person I met who, whose mom was in the Navy as a Filipino, and this is like the typical trope, but it's not always the same. It just mm-hmm. tends to, it's a, my family is Navy dad, nurse, mom. That is very common. Very common. Well, that's where my parents broke the mold. That's what I'm saying. So you shocked me when you're like, no, my mom was one who was in the Navy for Which the Which is longest. interesting because your sister's in the Navy. I know. Well, somebody's got to carry the family tradition and I am clearly not sh- fit to command a battleship. So props to those who serve, especially as we are actually coming up uh, to the Veterans Day holiday, actually, as we record this. So thank you to all of you who serve. So when I was actually looking up, excuse me, the origins for the term, I found an interesting article on the U.S. Department of Defense website, and it said that BRAT was actually an acronym for British Regiment Attached Traveler. So apparently there's a book mm. published in 1921, uh, and it was attributing the term military brat to the British Army because the brat status means that you were assigned to a family who's traveling abroad with a soldier. And then eventually that term, this acronym brat, eventually just stuck and it referred to military children, including in the US. Don't know if that's just folklore or if it, you know, if that's really the hard spot where it came from, but it's definitely stuck. And I personally would say that's one of the filters that I've lived through in life is always talking about being a proud Navy brat. Like, right. That's what raised me. Mm-hmm. And when you think of the word brat, in regular terms, usually it's got a bad connotation. Mm-hmm. But 
when you talk about being a military brat, it's like a a source of pride. Yes, a source you know? of pride. And it's a term of endearment almost to yes. call somebody else a military brat. Exactly. It's not that same connotation as, oh, that person's spoiled. But I will say I will like I do like the term military brat as well because I personally believe that through all the different difficulties that military families go through, I also feel spoiled mm -hmm. in the sense that we got to see the world totally. and have experiences and gain different life skills that are so beneficial as adults. So in that way, I would proudly say we were spoiled brats. Totally. We were definitely spoiled in some aspects. So that part I feel really lucky about. Um, so that is a term brat, military brat. And again, Navy brat, Army brat, whatever branch your family was serving in. So this other term, TCK, is short for third culture kid. You actually got into this recently. Do you want to share the definition of TCK for our listeners? So I actually don't remember who came up with this term, mm -hmm. but it, it means somebody who was born in one country, but lives in another country while being a national of a third. Mm -hmm. And so we've both had that experience. For instance, I was born in the Philippines, but I'm an American and I lived in Japan at one point in time. During your formative years. Right. I so, graduated high school there. Yeah. Very formative time. TCK. Yes. Same here. So mine was, I was born in the Philippines. I'm an American national. And I spent my formative years in Italy. So that was a big part of the culture that influenced me growing up, which is really fun because even though they're not necessarily related, it's like this Venn diagram. There's military brats here and there's TCKs. And we happen to be in that, you know, right in the center of the Venn diagram. Some other notable TCKs that I was looking up Kobe Bryant. I remember this actually. His dad, I think, used to coach in Italy. Mm -hmm. And so he speak he spoke, rest in peace, Kobe. He spoke Italian. And Very I was fluently. so really well. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because then he would talk shit on basketball court to like Pow or whatever. Um, and other people, he could speak different languages. Mm -hmm. which made him different in that way. I think he talks about it in his book, Mamba Mentality. But um, he was a TCK. I think he actually did a rap song in Italian once. I can't quite remember. <laughs> but anyways. And then Barack Obama. Right. He grew up everywhere. Right. An another very, very notable TCK. I think it was Kenya that was... Um, where he had some of his formative years and also Indonesia was it but another person of uh you know fame who grew up in a different way they got to have the filter a different filter to see life through so that's kind of what we're going to get into today and here's what I want to start with is the hardest question that should be the easiest. And you know what I'm going to go into, right? Jen, how do you approach the question, where are you from? 
This is a really hard question because <laughs> it depends on who I'm talking to, honestly. Mm -hmm. And this is only because of experience. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what I perceive they want the answer to be. Mm -hmm. Right? So if I am talking with other travelers and I'm traveling, I'll say I'm from the States and specifically Seattle, Washington. Right. And it's acceptable. Right. And I'm done. Period. Period. But if I'm, for instance, um, um, also with, or if I'm abroad and I'm talking to locals, mm -hmm. not travelers, they want to know not my nationality or where I'm living. They want to know what my ethnicity is, mm -hmm. but it comes across as like, where are you from? Correct. And technically I am from the Philippines. Yes. And so, cause I'm an immigrant. And so I'll say I'm from the Philippines cause mm -hmm. I know that's what they want to hear. Right. Okay. When do you decide to do the long version? How much energy do I have? <laughs> usually yep. What leads to that conversation? And also just like, do I feel like talking about it? Because mm -hmm. it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll say I'm from all over. Mm -hmm. yep. That's a common answer for yes. me. It's like, yes. I'm from all over. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, I'll qualify that with, I'm a military brat. And then most people will understand. Yes. So then I don't have to explain so much. Oh my gosh. Basically, ditto right? to like, your answer. I, I pretty much do the same thing, like depending on the space and who's asking in the context it's like all right you clearly don't want the long answer mm -hmm. but if you feel like it's going to be a good conversation and it's one of those where we can expand a little bit sure why not but the quick and dirty i for sure i think my default has been well i grew up a navy brat so i am from all over the place but i definitely call southern california home mm because for me that just still feels like home base. Right, right. And that's my default of where a lot of my family is. Mm -hmm. But it's gotten stranger now that I have lived in Seattle for over a decade now. And your family is here. My now. family is here. So that only adds to the complication, it I really guess. Is. But it depends on where you're at, right? And who you're talking to. Yes. It always depends. Did you learn Japanese? I did, but only as a high schooler mm -hmm. in a high school setting. Okay. So I took it as my foreign language. Okay. And I would say that I did not, like, I'm not a language person. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. You know, like, it's, I enjoy languages. I want to learn languages. I can probably count to 10 in, like, eight languages. Right. But, but the rest doesn't stick well. But it doesn't stick well with mm -hmm. me. So. Okay. I can understand a lot, but yeah. I have a hard time speaking the languages. Got it. Okay. I would say that my, sadly, my Italian has stuck much better than my Tagalog, Filipino language. And I do try to use it when I can. For example, I just went on this international trip to Berlin where we found boba. <laughs> that was in not Berlin. the point of going to Berlin, but I did find Boba in Berlin, as y'all, some of you saw on my Instagram. But on this international trip, I was interfacing with people from all over the world, and 
I definitely interface with several Italian folks. And so being able to enter that into that conversation straight away, greeting them, introducing myself, everything in Italian where they're like, oh, hold on a second. What's going on here? There's a brown girl speaking Italian to me. I like to surprise people. So, right. And then they can. And it's fun. Or just knowing things about where they're from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that other people may not because you live there. Yes. And then you can actually say, oh, I love Roppongi or Harajuku or wherever it is that you spent time. And then they feel like, wow, you actually took time. Right. You you kind of understand their culture, not just there's something about living somewhere that's different from traveling there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you get immersed in the culture and it just feels different because you're part of it. Yes. And people... When you travel, people do welcome you. Like I've hung out with locals, but there's something about being a, with the locals mm-hmm. and kind of getting to be a local. Yeah. You feel like you, you're you in. You're in right. the in crowd in that sense of, all right, well, you're living here. You may as well, right? Right. Which leads to my question of how did you like moving around so much as a child? I loved it. Did you always like, like I didn't, it? Okay, there's, I will qualify that with, I did not like leaving my friends mm-hmm. because, you know, you get attached to the people that you meet and hang out with for, even though it may be a short amount of time. But there's also this kind of um, comfort in knowing that you may see them again. Yes. Because it's, it, even though, Military brats all are, are all over the world. It's a very small world. Yes. All of the time. Yes. Like Hillary, for instance, is one of the people that I've met in multiple countries. Please tell more. I Say more about this because it's so fun. It's so weird. Been fun because it's part of the military life. Like yes. I met Hillary in the fourth grade uh-huh. in the Philippines on Subic Bay, the military base in Subic Bay. And then I moved away. I moved here mm-hmm. to Washington State, and she stayed there. Um, but then we met up again in tenth grade in Japan. She was in your class. She was in my history class, and then we hung out. And that's how we became friends. Not it took a little, little while after that, but mm-hmm. that's how we became friends. And then we became really good friends, like our junior senior year. And then we went to UW together. So <laughs> it just it's so weird. And I love it so much because that's where even just when we discovered the, our, our Rome connection. connection, while it was surprising, it was not surprising. Right. And knowing that we know the same people. <laughs> that part cracks me up. It's so fun. The fact that you used to go out for drinks after work with your coworkers who were the people who were supervising me as a high school student at the dorms still cracks me up to this day. Sarah Ellison. Shout out. Shout out, Sarah Ellison. (laughs) Were you there when Alessandro was there? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. So all these amazing people, but you got to hang out with them as a an adult, adult which was so fun and i've i've since seen them as an adult which is amazing oh that's another small story i was at a conference a few years ago in nashville 
and ran into Sandra, one of my dorm supervisors from Rome, because she's now working at a place in the States and just, again, small world, small world, being a military brat and a TCK really shrinks your, your world in that sense. Mm -hmm. I would say that as a child, I was more resistant to moving around. Uh, This may shock you, but I used to be shy. (laughs) (laughs) Once upon a time, I was shy and I did not like moving. And it would take me a long time to make friends because we would move all the time. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I would say probably right before middle school, like fourth or fifth grade, I just made this choice where I'm like, look, by the time I actually make friends, it's time for me to move. So the next place I move, I'm just going to, hey, I'm Jana. Do you want to be my friend? And you know that version of me now. (laughs) Because it's like, YOLO, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I might as well maximize my friendships while I can. And that is one of our superpowers, I'd say. Absolutely. Is making friends or just talking to people in general. How about keeping in touch, too? And, well, I'm actually terrible at keeping in touch. (laughs) But if I see you again, it'll be like we've never been apart never been apart absolutely because we've had that connection yes and it was hard i mean it was hard to keep in touch back then too because the world was not as uh digitally connected at all but i would say that i actually got my i talked about this with janeth in the last episode pen pals Mm -hmm. i really loved the art form of writing letters Mm. and sending postcards and having pen pals. So at that point I got to accumulate pen pals from all over the place, which made it really fun. And then you can kind of keep in touch. And I think it helps with just building up your people skills. Oh, it definitely does. You get so used to talking to so many people from different walks of life Mm -hmm. that you just are better at it to be honest right like it's you're comfortable doing it yes and I think there's that there's that aspect of like being comfortable being uncomfortable exactly because you have already done the hard thing of i'm in a new country i don't know what anybody's saying i don't even know where this bus is going but i'm gonna get on it and figure it out and hope that the people around me are friendly enough to help i'm going to pick up the tiny little dictionary i have use a tiny little bit of language i'm learning right now and figure it out you know what i love about that it means that we grew up with some grit that's right. It does. And you talked about not liking moving. I think I enjoyed it because it was kind of a, a refresh every time. Yeah. And not that you could totally reinvent yourself because you're still yourself, mm-hmm. but it was you experience somebody, experiencing something new mm-hmm. and everyone experiencing you as a new person. Absolutely. You know, and there's something fun about that you basically get to be the Madonna of military brats. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about it, she's the original of reinventing oneself, right? Right. I do like that part. And by the time I finally got over it, it was, it was that piece of, you know, making friends and being able to say, well, this is like my eighth school. So, you know, whatever, 
Right. But it it's the thing that makes you interesting it is. as well. Um, but I do like that point of like being able to re reinvent yourself or kind of having that restart because it's hard growing up, growing up as a kid. And when you're just like, if only I had another chance. Right. And you do. You do. Regularly. You do. Okay. Well, I also grew up though really um, jealous of the kids who lived in the same house their entire lives. Yeah, me in too. The you did. Oh, okay. definitely. So as much as you like switching it up, yes, you had a little bit of that wistfulness. Oh, definitely. Okay. I still had FOMO. Okay. <laughs> For sure. I still always do. But I think, it, you know, I remember in high school driving around with my high school friends yeah. on the military base mm -hmm. or even off base mm -hmm. when we weren't allowed to. Mm -hmm. But, Watch out you know, wondering, wondering, like, what are those American kids doing? Mm -hmm. You know, we are American kids, but we're living in a foreign country and it's Absolutely. so different. And you're wondering, you know, is it like the movies? Is it like the television shows? Are they at pep are rallies? At pep rallies. <laughs> but we were at pep rallies <laughs> and we were also oh driving gosh. around doing whatever. Yes. So it was a really interesting position to be in yeah. because you have that longing for mm -hmm. what could have been over there. Yes. But you were experiencing something new. That they that would never get. No. That's the part that cracks me up looking back now is, so at the beginning of ninth grade, my dad got stationed from San Diego to Italy. And I was pissed. Okay, first of all, San Diego is great. But hello, Italy? <laughs> My 14-year-old brain, though, could not compute and, you know, had no desire to know what Italy was about because it was 14. And I just wanted to stay on the dance team and hang out with my friends. Of course. That's all that mattered. So there was a little bit of resistance, but it's funny to look back now and just think about, wow, look at all that we've been able to experience since then. Like, my parents were so great about maximizing where we were at so every summer while we were in italy we were visiting parts of europe we went through like so many castles in germany mm. one summer that was just the whole goal was right. see as many castles in germany as possible mm -hmm. did Travel. your family do the same thing yeah we did we traveled around like we went to korea we we'd go to the philippines because we had family in there still mm -hmm. or we just go around japan and do day trips all the time and go see places <sighs> And I have a lot of fond memories of doing that. Did you ever go to the strawberry farms in Japan? No, I didn't. I went to one once and I was, I had the most perfect, amazing, beautiful, juicy strawberry that I remember. I believe it. Gosh. As you're finishing your beautiful strawberry. <laughs> I believe it. That is one thing I will really remember from being in Japan is that everything I ate there was delicious. Even at the 7-Eleven. Oh, my God. The 7-Eleven was my favorite. Lawson's. All the, oh, man. I love 7-Eleven. Onigiri at 7-Eleven. Best snack ever. Tuna onigiri was like oh, my go-to. Oh, gosh. I love that. I'm salivating. I know we're already spoiled. We're having boba. But, gosh, some 7-Eleven or Lawson's onigiri right now. Oh, it's so good. Hit the spot. If you know, you know, people. Okay, so talk about more of this travel. How did travel as a child then influence you as an adult? I didn't stop. I loved it so much. I moved 
after graduating from college, I moved almost every year, just mm -hmm. apartment wise, but I also moved abroad again because mm -hmm. I missed it so much. And I was like, well, I spent so much of my childhood graduating high school in Japan in Asia, I wanted to experience Europe. And okay. so I did, um, in grad school, I had, there was this cool program where you could do your student teaching anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And they asked for your three countries. Okay. And so I gave them three countries in Europe. What did you pick? I picked France was my number one, uh, Spain and Italy. Oh, good choices. And so, you know, the big three mm -hmm. and I ended up in Italy in Rome because one, it was so hard to get a France placement. They didn't even have any. Mm. And then they gave me the option of Spain or Italy, and I chose Italy. And I loved it. I got there and I enjoyed it so much. I lived in Trastevere. Oh. You know how gorgeous Trastevere is. It's a gorgeous it's so fun. neighborhood. And I was there for maybe like three or four months, and then I loved it so much. I decided to look for a job that fall. It was in the spring when I was there. So my first teaching job ended up being in Portugal. That's so awesome. It's sight unseen. I remember having a Skype interview while I was visiting Athens mm -hmm. <laughs> at like a like a youth hostel I got mm -hmm. on. Right. My Skype and had an interview for this job in Portugal. And I got it. I took it and I was like, yeah, look, I'm going to move over there. And that was it. And I couldn't, and I didn't stop. Like, no overthinking it. it. No, not even a campus visit. Just, all right, I'm ready all to right. go. Yeah. They were like, well, we'll help you find housing. Yeah. I was like, all right. Where else did your um, travels take you? I, I've been to 42 countries. Ooh. I've lived in about five of them. Right. Um, lots of cities, but a lot of it was in Europe. Cause once you live in Europe, they're so you close can, together. Yes, it's really absolutely. easy to get everywhere. And I spent a lot of time in Asia, as I mentioned earlier. So, right. but living wise, it was five living, countries. Yeah. Just, just five just countries and Portugal. Right. Yeah. 42 countries that you visited though. That's amazing. Yeah. I I'm, haven't been able to keep track very well. Cause sometimes I. Yeah, sometimes I forget, or I forget what cities I've been to. Oh, yeah. No, city-wise, that's hard. It's hard that's to That's why you got to think about the countries. Yes. It's a little easier. TCK probs. <laughs> that's going to be the new yeah. hashtag. I have a terrible carbon footprint, or I did at one point. <laughs> You're doing so much to rectify it now, though. I am. So there you go. <laughs> okay, aside from that constant travel bug, actually, let me go back for a second. With that travel bug, you and I have both been living in Seattle for a long time. How did you come to terms with settling down and finding roots somewhere? It was really hard. I think that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. And I, I moved away a few times because it didn't feel right yet. You know, like I still had itchy feet, as my parents say. Ooh. And... I was, and they would always say, why don't you just come home? And I'm like, you're not home. Where is home? <laughs> you know? Where is home? You know, when I moved, um, I moved to Florida after college. Mm -hmm. And right, when, right before I graduated, the week I graduated, I was like, hey, I'm going to be on the same coast as you. 
So my parents were living in Maryland at the time. Mm -hmm. My mom was stationed in Annapolis. I was so excited that we were going to live in the same time zone. And they said, oh, we just bought a house in, in Washington. And I was like, <laughs> the opposite coast. <laughs> I was like, I was just in Washington. What are you doing? I'm in Washington and no. I'm leaving this week. And so, you know, like they had it too, or they still have it. They're always traveling. Yeah. And I think they've just instilled that, like go explore, mm-hmm. find out what's out there. Right. And see. But then how do you deal with that now that you are grounded and rooted? I've, oh, I think part of it is finding somebody who is accepting of your exploratory ways. Okay. Because I remember when I met you, it was definitely that you made it a point every summer to do an international trip or like a once a year international trip was a non-negotiable for you, whether it was with your husband or with your best friend, that's your best travel friend. Exactly. And so, and even when I, I met Brian, mm-hmm. one of the first things I told him was Sarah and I travel every year, mm-hmm. just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be okay. You with... got to be okay with it. And he is, mm-hmm. he's just, just he joined just us. <laughs> <laughs> he's just joined us on our vacations. Yes. But it's funny because is he the third wheel or is Sarah the third wheel? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so you know, finding that person. Finding that person yeah. who wants to travel also. And luckily, he loves to travel. Right, right. You know, do we don't always agree on where we're going. Mm-hmm. He definitely was adamantly opposed to going to Iceland, but oh. I forced him to go there. And then you guys had a blast. And we enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it was fun. Oh, that's funny. But we also went with an 18-month-old, which made it really hard. That is a whole other experience. Whole other experience. Whole other experience. But... Yeah, I think that helped moving back mm-hmm. and being with somebody who likes to travel. Right. But the hard part is not not being able to travel because the pandemic brought that on also. Mm-hmm. The hard part is not being able to live somewhere else. Yes, now that you've got a family. Now that I've got a family, rooted. I'm rooted, I have a house. It's hard to like... Not impossible. Not impossible. The thing is, I still want to move. Mm-hmm. Like I have that like deep inside me. Like mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about it. I'm always looking at job postings. <laughs> Brian may be always looking at trucks, but. <laughs> and you're always just like, and hey, how about I'm this like, country? How about this country? You know, like, do you want to be a stay-at-home dad? Yeah. Because my dad was for a little bit. There you go. <laughs> you know? Oh, that can be hard. Especially from the pandemic over the last few years. But I'm rooting that for you guys that you get your next international trip super soon i'm really excited yeah i think next year's the year i think so too the thing is like i was okay with not traveling during the pandemic because i was so freaked out yeah and i am still slightly because i'm a germaphobe (laughs) same (laughs) but i'm really excited to get out there again it's and you've recently yeah. just come back. From... I've recently come back. And then this summer was my first time really going international again after all this stuff. And it was the best feeling. I miss the feeling of getting on an airplane and just knowing you're going somewhere. And it's that sense of excitement. The sense of excitement. And not knowing what you're going to like, what you're right. going to hate, and the stories you're going to come back with. 
that's so my favorite. Fun. It is. And are you the kind of traveler who's like a tourist traveler or mm. do you like to like see every site or do you just like to soak it in? I'm a mix. So I don't really care about having to take everything off the list of I've seen the Coliseum, I've seen this. But there is that piece of, well, gosh, I came all the way here. I'd better mm -hmm. see it, right? But then there is that piece where we might be seeing the Coliseum and then I randomly get distracted and I see that really cute cafe and I just want to sit there for a little while and people watch. Oh, my favorite thing is people watching on a sidewalk cafe yes. anywhere in the world or right. having a, a delicious meal. Like a delicious all I meal. Do is eat and walk around. I feel like my default when I'm traveling as well is I want an Aperol spritz <laughs> <laughs> while I'm sitting there people watching. If it's mm -hmm. not a cafe at that point, it's an Aperol spritz. Yeah. And I just want to sit there and people watch and take it in and listen to the languages that are being spoken because depending on where you are, right, mm -hmm. it might not just be one language. It often is not. It's not. Yeah. And I, I like the just making the personal connections and definitely trying to find where the locals are going without right. it being awkward, but mm -hmm. just trying to, okay, well, I get that this gelateria has a really long line because whatever person on Food Network was there, cool, maybe I'll stop by, but it. I also would just be more intrigued to walk around and see what sounds good, which I think is the way that you get to discover. Right. Which one are you? I already know. <laughs> you know, I don't like to see all the sights. <laughs> like, whatever. It took me a really long time to go up the Eiffel Tower. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yeah. But I like, I'd say a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. But I will not go to more than one museum a day. Yeah, museums not, are not my favorite. I'm not that into going to see everything. Yeah at once it's a lot and part of it is also i feel like you can always go back yes you can yes always go back you can always go back and it, it will spark your interest in right. going back so uh, the other piece that i wanted to mention about rooting down after being all over the place for so long do you know about the dandelion Oh, you told me about the dandelion. I didn't know before you told me about it. So I have a tattoo um, of a dandelion with the little wispies blowing in the wind because I don't know if this is truly official, but I've just seen <laughs> it in a lot of places, enough to where I just really resonated with it, that the dandelion supposedly is the symbol of the military child mm -hmm. because they have strong roots. They're stubborn, right? They're, oh, they're, it's they a are. weed. It's tap root. It's yes. Huge. They have strong roots, but they also go everywhere. Mm -hmm. Wherever the wind blows, that's mm -hmm. where they're going. But it doesn't mean that they're not um, stable, rooted people, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember we were having a conversation. I think you were there. Um, our friend Andrea, mm -hmm. she also loves to travel. And when she was first dating her now husband, and he found out she was, you know, such a travel bug. His worry was about stability and oh, can yeah. she be rooted somewhere? I would say that was definitely one of Brian's worries at right? one point. Because your symbol I, together is the anchor. The anchor. Well, I also, we broke up and I left the country. 
which was a big deal. It's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. I'm not but, moving out. I'm moving out of the country. country. Well, that was planned in my mind before I met him. Right. But what's funny is that my tattoos are also symbolic of your experience of my experiences because I have one that's a swallow because mm-hmm. I love birds, but it's a migratory bird. And I was at one point going to have a anchor attached to it, but I couldn't do it. I was like, no, don't do it. I'm not ready to settle down. And I remember the tattoo artist saying, you know, it's an anchor and you pull up the anchor and everybody goes. And I was like, no, no, I'm still not ready. (laughs) Don't do the anchor. Don't do the anchor. (laughs) And so for a long time after Brian and I got together, that was the joke. The writing joke was when we get together forever, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get the anchor. Yeah. And I didn't, I moved back and it was at some, it was his birthday and I was like, I passed a, a tattoo place and I was like, I'm going to get the anchor. It's for your birthday. Did he and cry? And also I'm ready. <laughs> no, he actually didn't cry. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to get the anchor. I'm ready. Aww, and I got the anchor. That's so but, sweet. Because I feel like I am finally rooted. Yes. But I accept now that we can pull up the anchor and we can still move. Yes. Yes. And you have somebody that is willing to explore the world with you, which is what is the most important aspect of being a TCK that is trying to be rooted in where they are now. Aside from these pieces of trying not to stray and travel and get up and leave at, at any whim, what would you say are other noticeable impacts of being a TCK as you grew up? I would say that I'm pretty open-minded mm-hmm. um, in general, but also just to new experiences. I don't mind being alone. Yeah. I think that's one of the things I really enjoy is being alone because Ditto. you're usually with <laughs> a lot of people, but then they also become be part of the profession that we're in. Right. Um, But I'm comfortable going places on my own. Like I love traveling by myself. Mm -hmm. And I think you experience a place so differently when you're by yourself because people tend to, in my experience, welcome you in more Mm -hmm. when you're not with somebody. Absolutely. It's like they feel the need to take care of you or make sure you have a positive experience of where you are. Some of my favorite travel experiences or living abroad are from being alone. So true. That's and why I have really fond in. memories in certain places. Yeah, right. you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. And so that I'd say that was one of like just being really open and also um, having a feeling that everything's going to be okay. Yes. Right? Like no matter what mm-hmm. kind of adversity you may face. You're it's going to be fine. fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You have all the tools. You're going to be fine. You took the wrong bus. You ended up on the wrong side <laughs> of town. And it's going to take you two and a half hours to make it back to wherever you were going. It's going to be okay. But it's going to be fine. It's an adventure. It's I think that's adventure. part of it is the lens of the lens of thinking it's going to be adventure. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, when you're in your regular home place, mm-hmm. you're always going through the grind and you only see to like, it's not a novelty. No, it's not a novelty. Right. 
one of the things I really liked about the pandemic is how everyone went outside mm-hmm. mm. and it became more like it was a novelty, a novelty. You were discovering and, things in your right. own neighborhood and everyone was out, you know, and it also felt a lot like the places we travel to. Even right? the way Al that fresco. they had all these outdoor Every restaurants suddenly, yeah. they were closing down streets so that we could walk, walk. and hang out there. Right? And that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about being in different countries is how, because most places don't have huge, huge homes. No. Right. Like we as Americans are so used to having really big houses mm-hmm. and in every other country I've been in, so nobody many apartments, has a big house. small homes, nobody really hangs out at their house. You go out to dinner, you mm-hmm. hang out on the streets, mm-hmm. you go to the piazza. Yes. Oh, right. And so you have a little FFT out there. Yes. But it's different. And right. I feel like that's what the pandemic brought here. Mm-hmm. Is that finally? Feeling? Yes. Yes. Which is nice because then that helps kind of maybe quell the, yes. the itch for a little bit. And it did. Yes. You know, it felt like a little different. Yeah. New. Let's talk about soft skills that really helped you as an adult because there's one in particular that you already kind of brought up to me, the open-mindedness. It's the having a, a worldview or a global perspective mm. early on. And I think that also is huge on empathy building. Right. The more that you get to experience how other people live and understand how other people think, it does it makes your world smaller or I guess bigger, right? right. In the sense that okay, they're not that different from me. Yeah. And it's not an us versus them. That's an no. actual, that was my classmate. That was my coworker. That right. was my friend. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, like experiencing all these different cultures shows you that people are more alike than they are different. Yes. And it gives you that empathy. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel so far apart. Right. Geographically. Right. You know? like, right. It doesn't feel... Like they're doing the same things we're doing. Absolutely. It just looks different. It just looks different. Right. Any other skills that you think have really helped you as an adult because of your formative years and your TCK-ness? I don't know. I would say just being able to have conversations about whatever. Yeah. You know, like some people, It's. I wouldn't even say it's small talk because I don't really enjoy small talk. No, no. But having the ability to connect with people on certain things. It's unique. Because you've had that experience Mm -hmm. and you're able to like bring it in Mm -hmm. to many different areas. Yeah. Helps. It often makes me feel like the Jill of all trades or the master of none. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) I feel like I know a little bit about a lot of things. And so I can enter into a conversation about, I don't know, Spanish culture and the people that I was meeting in these, you know, different settings the other week. I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Maybe we can have a rebujito afterwards. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you know what that happy hour drink is, right? Just those little things. I think it makes it fun to connect with humans. So which is why we could probably go on about this forever. But I do want to pose at least this before we go into rating this boba drink that I think you liked because it's gone. Oh <laughs> so 
I found this uh, New York Times article written in 2020, and it was highlighting this HBO documentary now that I really want to watch. Uh, but it was basically about TCKs and military brats. So I think it's still on HBO Max somewhere. But I love the question that the article posed. So I want to ask you the same. What does it mean to be from everywhere and nowhere at once? Hmm. Oh, that's a hard one. It's hard. It's it's like how we say we're from everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't even to me, it, it it's like um, it means that I can be a versatile and empathetic and willing to mm -hmm. learn type of person. Mm -hmm. I guess. Adaptable. Adaptable. Flexible. I mean, I would say flexible, right? We are, I tend to be pretty flexible and I'd say I'm pretty chill about most things. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, like I don't get really upset if things don't go my way. Right. Because you just, again, you have that knowing of it's still going to be, be okay. okay. That must be it. What does it mean to be from everywhere and nowhere at once? Knowing that it's going to be okay. <laughs> Also, I love that term. So from now on, when somebody says, where are you from? I'm going to say, I'm from everywhere and nowhere. At once. All at once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so fun. Okay, well, let's come back to this tea. Actually, I'm just curious. Where in the world have you had the best boba? Oh, I really only had it here in the States. Yeah, okay. I just thought I'd check because I've never... Japan... No, I never. I think it's I Taiwanese. I wasn't into it when we lived in Japan, and I don't remember any boba mm -hmm. shops. Mm -hmm. Like it hadn't made its way over. Like I told you, the first time I had it was in was in Seattle? college yeah. here in Seattle. Okay. Now, how was your boba drink? If we were giving it a five star rating, and the things that I qualify for a five star: tapioca or toppings, your tea flavor, the presentation, any cuteness factor. For you, with all those things in mind, where does your drink? rank i'd say mine was a four. Ooh, why like i love the flavor and i love the presentation but the boba was a little hard Ooh. well i did have to put it in the fridge for just like, like 15 minutes bit. yeah and that may so have it might have been it. my fault <laughs> sorry timeless TV. sorry <laughs> you're awesome i promise Wait, it was probably my fault you're totally my go-to on this side of seattle there you go there but you go i love it Okay, four is really good. Four is good. I'd say even like four and a half. Okay. Because the flavor is delicious. You're allowed four and a half. I've I done a 4.8 four before. <laughs> That's how indecisive I was. Okay, I'm you feeling decisive Libra. today. I know, which is weird because my husband's a Libra, but I will tell you that he is way more decisive than I am. And so that is where that trait does not suit, fit him. Because yeah. I'm like, can you just tell me what needs yes. to happen here because I can't deal. What are we having for dinner? Don't talk to me. <laughs> okay. Mine is a 3.5. <gasps> what? Okay. First of all, it's super cute. These round bottoms, I, I love. love I think they're the cutest version of boba cups. These are the best looking boba cups. Yes. The round they, ones they are my favorite. They really nicely. They're adorable. And because we got smalls too, so they're like yeah. cute, tiny. Um, I love the presentation. The flavor was good. The boba, actually, mine had a good chew to it. Mm. But I will say 
I think it's because I'm a fruit tea girl and mm -hmm. this was coconut milk tea. Mm -hmm. um, and it just was like too sweet and creamy for me, which is mm -hmm. why I'm like working my way through it. So it's not them, it's me. So that's why <laughs> I honestly, I was going to say three, but I felt really bad because it's not them, it's me. So it's a 3.5 because they did everything right. Right. And again, if you loved creamy taro tea. If you love creamy taro tea, kind of like a milkshake, this drink would be for you. I think Sean would love this drink because mm. he likes more of the sweeter beverages and it's purple. So it would be a win for him. But no offense to this wonderful tea shop. And again, they delivered it so well in that little hand carrier yeah. with like single slots so that they don't spill which is the awkward thing is carrying drinks in a bag, oh, but they've so, done it well. Yeah. So excellent. Okay. Well, one last thing I would like to know, what is one little tapioca pearl of wisdom you'd want to leave our listeners with today about your experience as a military brat and third culture kid? Be open-minded, go out there and travel, mm -hmm. experience the world experience the world it's a big world it's a big world and you'll notice how not big it is <laughs> very quickly and people are a lot more similar than you think absolutely the fact that we are sitting here having the experiences we've had um we didn't even talk about how we were probably at the same elementary school in the bay area at one oh, point in yeah, life we were, we were yes just in Alameda. In Alameda. Yeah. So just, and then now that we're sitting here, we get to talk about it and we figured out our points of connection still cracks me up. But I'm so glad we got to have Boba today and talk about something that we've always been passionate about. It's really awesome having a friend that just gets it and has that lens when it comes to what it's been like growing up as a Navy brat in TCK. So Thanks for all you brought today, Jen, to our talk. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Cheers. Cheers.